As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Dark Cast Network. The light shines brightest on our indie podcasts. My name is Brenda, and welcome to Horrifying History, where you will hear about the unexplained, paranormal, and supernatural happenings that have stained the pages of history. The United States town of Tombstone in Arizona is iconic in the lore of the Wild West. It is known worldwide due to its lawless past, and this attracted writers and movie makers for years. But Tombstone is more than just a title of a movie. Due to its turbulent history, Tombstone is considered to be one of the most haunted places of the Old West. Welcome to Episode 105, The Haunted Town of Tombstone. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. When people hear the name of the town of Tombstone, they usually think a scene straight out of an old Western movie. After all, many movies have been made about the people who used to walk down this town's streets. But to be honest, those images are not that far off. The town that has the motto of, the town too tough to die, had people like Wyatt Earp and his siblings hanging out with the famous Doc Holliday. But the town of today is quite different than what it used to be. Currently, tourism is the big draw to Tombstone. In fact, this place draws in about 300 tourists for each resident of the town per year. It is much more of a sleepy town now versus its heyday, where the saloons and brothels were its main draw, 
But due to this town's unique history, today's tourists walk along tombstone streets beside the ghosts of its past. In 1877, the town of Tombstone was founded by a man named Ed Schiefelin. Ed was born in 1847 in a coal mining region in Pennsylvania in the United States. Two years later, his family moved to California and then to the Rouge Valley in the Oregon Territory, where they settled and started to raise grain and cattle while maintaining interest in the local mining activities. By the time Ed was 17 years old, he was ready to strike out on his own. As a prospector and a miner, he started looking for gold and silver. This took him out of Oregon, to Idaho, Nevada, Colorado, and then to New Mexico. By the time he hit the age of 30, Ed moved back to California to look for gold and started surveying the Grand Canyon. But all of this resulted in no gold for Ed. So after hearing that a group of indigenous men had enlisted as scouts for the U.S. Army, Ed decided to go along. He joined the scout groups on several trips and did some prospecting along the way. After hearing about a mining engineer finding a small silver deposit in 1858, Ed decided to go prospecting near to where the discovery occurred in the Cochise County. When one of his friends and fellow scouts learned what Ed was up to, it is alleged that he told Ed that, and I quote, Better take your coffin with you. You will find your tombstone there and nothing else. And you know what? His friend was correct. Ed did find his tombstone and a whole lot more. It was several months later in 1877 where Ed found silver ore in a place that was called Goose Flats. It took him several more months to find out where the vein actually was, and this vein, it was quite big. It was estimated to be 50 feet or 15 meters long and about a foot or 30 centimeters wide. Ed quickly filled his first mining claim on September 21, 1877, and in this document, he named his stake Tombstone. After finding what he thought was the mother load, Ed started looking for his brother Al, who he hadn't seen for four years. With no actual cash in his pocket, he found his brother at a mine about 300 miles or about 480 kilometers north. Ed found temporary jobs along the way, and he eventually found Al in February of 1878. While there, Ed showed his brother his silver samples, and Al decided to show them to his foreman to see what he thought. The foreman told the brothers that he thought the samples were completely worthless and were mostly lead. Infuriated, Ed threw those samples as far as he could out the door of his brother's cabin, but at the last minute, he kept three of them. It's a good thing he did. Several days later, a surveyor with a very strong reputation of being an ore expert arrived at the mine. While the surveyor was looking at the samples, he decided to make Ed a deal on the spot since he estimated that these ore samples were worth $2,000 per ton. In today's dollars, that would be about $57,821 per ton. The two brothers immediately took the offer, and the three created the Tombstone Gold and Silver Mining Company to hold title to their claims. And yes, I did say claims. Several weeks later, Ed found another vein, and when he told his brother, his brother said that he was a lucky cuss. This soon became the name of what was then one of the richest mining claims in the Tombstone District. This one would bring in $15,000 per ton, or what would be in today's funds, $331,040 per ton. 
Ed then found another one, which he named the Tough Nut Load. And soon after he filed these claims, word got out that Tombstone was the place to be for prospectors. They just then started rushing in. And at this point in time, there was only one place to work. And that was the Tombstone Mining and Milling Company that was owned by Ed, Al, and their surveyor partnered, Richard Gerd. With all these people coming in to seek their fortune, a town site was created on Goose Flats. It was soon named Tombstone after Ed's first mining claim. By the mid-1880s, the town of Tombstone had 7,000 miners along with their families living there. Following them came many more mine workers and the sex workers who were chasing the money that was being made there. But in the late 1880s, the miners hit an underground water table and the mines were flooded. This is when people started to move away to find their fortunes elsewhere, and eventually, tourism became this town's main attraction. As settlements started to develop around Tombstone, this brought in men who started to ranch in the area. At first, they started to provide beef at much less than market prices by stealing cattle from Mexico. By the early 1880s, smuggling alcohol and tobacco also became commonplace. This was due to the Mexican border was about 30 miles or 48 kilometers away, and these items were heavily taxed there. Smugglers were making a massive profit by stealing cattle from Mexico and selling the meat at a reduced cost around Tombstone and taking alcohol and tobacco over the border to sell it there for also a very reduced price. This contributed to the overall lawlessness of the region. Those who were thought to be outlaws started to be called cowboys, which back then meant a group of people who banded together to commit crimes and helped each other to get away with it. Cowboys were considered back then to be reckless outlaws, but they were always made to feel welcome in Tombstone. Why? Well, they love spending money, but due to their volatile behaviors, gunfights became a regular occurrence. It is at this point of our story that we will introduce a man named Wyatt Earp. Wyatt was born on March 19, 1848 in Monmouth, Illinois. He was many things in his life, a saloon keeper, a gambler, a gunslinger, but he is best known as a lawman. He was the fourth of eight children who grew up in Illinois, but at the end of the Civil War in the United States, his family moved to California. By 1848, most of Wyatt's family had returned to Illinois, but Wyatt and his brother Virgil decided to stay back and work in Wyoming. The following year, Wyatt decided to rejoin his family, who are now in Missouri, where Wyatt's father was working as a local constable. After his father resigned his position in 1868 to become Justice of the Peace, Wyatt was appointed constable in his father's place. It was also in that year that Wyatt found love. In late 1869, Wyatt started courting the daughter of hotelers, Eurilla Sutherland. They were married on January 10, 1870, but soon, tragedy would strike. After building a house for his now pregnant wife, Eurilla became very sick. She was almost at her due date when she suddenly died from typhoid fever. Her child also did not survive. Devastated, Wyatt started going in a downward spiral with his grief. Even though he was a lawman himself, Wyatt had numerous run-ins with the law. He decided to leave town when he learned he was facing allegations of embezzlement, but that same year, he was also arrested for stealing horses. Now concerning this, the stories diverge. Wyatt was never tried for his crime. 
Some say it was because he escaped jail, while others believe it was because he skipped bail. But either way, it resulted in him moving on to Peoria, Illinois, where he was arrested for various offenses, which the majority were for, and I quote, keeping and being found in a house of ill fame. Now, many people believe that Wyatt wasn't just visiting the brothels, but he was actually working in the role of pimp. After moving to Wichita, Kansas in 1874, the arrests, they kept coming. This is because he continued to work within the sex industry as what is now known as a bouncer. Even with all of this, Wyatt was able to get back into policing while in Wichita before he decided to chase gold in the Black Hills of Wyoming. He went to Dodge City in Kansas to work as an assistant marshal. It was here he became well known as both a lawman and a major gambler. It was also here that he met and became friends with two men, Doc Holliday and Bat Masterson. John Henry Holliday, who was known as Doc, was also a gunman and a gambler, but he was also a dentist. He graduated from the Pennsylvania College of Dental Surgery in 1872, and he practiced for a brief time in Dallas, Texas, before he discovered his talent as a gambler and a poker player. By the time he met Wyatt, he had a well-known reputation as a heavy drinker, fighter, and as a murderer. He would eventually end up in Tombstone at the same time as Wyatt and Bat Masterson. Bartholomew Masterson was known as Bat, and he had a lot in common with both Doc and Wyatt. Bat was born in Quebec, Canada, but he grew up on family farms in New York State, Illinois, and Kansas. After he left home at the age of 19, Bat became a hunter and a scout who worked out of Dodge City. He also was on the wrong side of the law when he killed a man and a woman at a dance hall after they got into a fight when he was in Sweetwater, Texas. After this happened, he fled back to Dodge City, where he worked mostly as a saloon keeper, a gambler, and at times, he also was the county sheriff and a deputy U.S. Marshal. He would regularly visit other western towns, including Tombstone, and when there, he briefly worked with Wyatt at a local saloon. So how did Wyatt end up in Tombstone? By 1879, Dodge City, where Wyatt lived, was starting to calm down from its crime-ridden days. At this time, Wyatt's brother Virgil was the town constable in Prescott, Arizona. Virgil wrote to his brother about all the wonderful opportunities that he heard about in the now booming town of Tombstone. He said that Dodge was losing its charm and that Tombstone was the place to go with those who had reckless blood since this town was building up a reputation. Soon afterwards, Virgil was appointed the Deputy U.S. Marshal for the Tombstone Mining District, which operated out of the town of Tombstone. Wyatt, his brother James, and their spouses made the decision to join Virgil. Doc Holliday was soon to follow. Almost immediately after they made the move, Wyatt and the Cowboys clashed. On July 25, 1880, Virgil was asked by an army captain to help track outlaw cowboys who stole six army mules. This was considered to be a federal crime, since the mules were governmental property. Virgil asked if his brothers Wyatt and Morgan could help him, and soon, the men discovered the stolen mules at a local ranch. One of the cowboys made an agreement with the army captain that if they returned the mules, the posse would withdraw. But in typical outlaw style, the cowboys, they didn't return the stolen property, and they mocked both the army captain and the Earps. 
The captain, he got angry and made it very well known via the press what the cowboys did and what they were charged with. Now that went over like an axe to the head. The cowboys were now furious and they started doing some grade school name calling before they threatened the Earps' lives. It may not have been the best idea since right after this, Virgil was appointed to be deputy sheriff and he made Wyatt a deputy. But these two men made a lot of enemies and soon they were without jobs. This led to Wyatt getting a 25% share in a local saloon in exchange for his services as manager and bouncer. He invited his friend Bat Masterson to come and help him with the business. With all the key players now in the right place, this led to a famous Wild West event which has been named the Shootout at the OK Corral. By this time, Wyatt and his brothers, Morgan and Virgil, were considered to be the law in Tombstone, even though they had their own reputations of being both power-hungry and ruthless. The reputation of the cowboys was pretty much the same, except they were on the other side of the law. Tensions between the two groups rose for years, and the cowboys were threatening to kill the Earps for weeks as their crimes became more and more brazen. Virgil heard through his new job as Tombstone City Marshal that the death threats were being made by cowboys Ike Clanton and Billy Claiborne. It was also said that they were well armed and they gathered with their fellow cowboys at a place called the OK Corral. Virgil asked his brothers, Wyatt Morgan and Doc, to help him disarm these men. In preparation for this, Virgil deputized his brothers to make them official lawmen. On October 25, 1881, Ike Clanton and fellow cowboy Tom McClory came into Tombstone for supplies. This is where they had several violent run-ins with the Earp brothers and Doc Holliday. The following day, Ike's brother Billy, Frank McClory, and Billy Claiborne came into Tombstone to meet up with their fellow cowboys. The first person they happened to run into would be Doc and Doc bragged to the men that the Earps ran into Ike and Tom and pistol whipped them. Now Frank and Billy were furious and they vowed revenge. By 3 p.m. that day, all five of the cowboys were spotted by the Earps and Doc in a vacant lot behind the OK Corral. Words were said and then the guns were drawn. The infamous gunfight lasted about 30 seconds. Now, most reports say that the shootout started when Virgil pulled his weapon and shot Billy Clanton point-blank in his chest. When the dust settled, Billy Clanton and the McLory brothers were dead. Virgil and Morgan Earp, along with Doc, were all wounded. Ike and Billy Claiborne had ran for their lives. So, what happened next? The Earps and Doc Holliday were charged with murder and they went to trial. A month later, a judge from Tombstone declared that the men were not guilty due to they were fully justified for committing the homicides. The actions of that day followed the Earps and Doc for the rest of their lives due to the national press that this event received. But for some, the rest of their lives was not very long at all. Doc Holliday died six years later of tuberculosis, and he was destitute when he died in Colorado. As for Virgil, after the events at OK Corral, he was ambushed by friends of the dead cowboys who shot him. He was permanently injured and soon left Tombstone. He ended his days as a deputy sheriff in Nevada. While there, he developed pneumonia and he died on October 19, 1905. As for Morgan Earp, he was also ambushed two and a half months later after the event. On March 18, 1882, 
Morgan was playing billiards when the cowboy shot him through a window on the door of the room he was in. After his death, Wyatt felt that the justice system failed his brother when the cowboys, who were suspected of the crime, were released due to a lack of evidence. In true Old West style, Wyatt assembled a posse and deputized them. The group quickly discovered that one was already in jail, so they left him alone. Three more men were hunted down and killed by the posse. Wyatt and his posse were unable to apprehend or kill the remaining six who were suspected in Morgan's death. All of these men had left the area. As for Wyatt, he was the last surviving participant of the OK Corral shootout. In his later years, Wyatt became a consultant for Hollywood Westerns and was very well known to various actors and directors. After he died at the age of 80 on January 13, 1929, his funeral was attended by celebrities like Western film actor Tom Mix, who acted as his pallbearer. In part due to these relationships and Wyatt's own embellished 1931 autobiography, Wyatt was soon portrayed on the silver screen as a heroic lawman, which he is still thought of today. But due to his and the actions of many others, the streets of Tombstone are never quiet. It is said because of all of this violence that this town has seen, the ghosts of Tombstone's past are still there to this day. Lucky Land Casino, asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The town of Tombstone is now considered to be iconic in Wild West lore due to its rich history. It has further gained attention through the years due to the entertainment industry and literary industries using this town as a backdrop. But it also gained attention for something else. Ghosts. It is said that Tombstone is one of the most haunted places in the American Old West. Considering its lawlessness and turbulent history, many say that this prompted a large amount of disembodied spirits to wander throughout its streets. One of these is said to be the lingering spirit of a man who was named Marshal Fred White. Fred was Tombstone's first town marshal who was elected into his position on January 6, 1880. He worked closely with Wyatt Earp, and the two men formed a very strong friendship. He was considered to be well-liked and a professional man of the law, and he was also respected by the cowboys of the area. But none of this made his job any easier due to violence in Tombstone was commonplace. On October 27, 1880, several members of the cowboy faction got drunk and they decided to party 1880 style, which meant they started randomly shooting their guns in all directions on Allen Street one night. At about 12.30pm on October 28th, Fred and Wyatt responded to the sounds of multiple gunshots. When Fred arrived, he saw several cowboys shooting randomly. He ordered the men to stop and surrender their weapons. Each of the men did so voluntarily. That was, until a man named Curly Bill Brokus presented his weapon to Fred, barrel first. As soon as Fred grabbed the barrel, the gun discharged. 
Fred was shot in the groin and he fell to the ground in agony. Seeing this, Wyatt became enraged. He started to pistol whip Curly Bill before he arrested him for assault with the intent to murder. After Wyatt's brother Morgan showed up on the scene, he assisted Wyatt to arrest the other men on site for violating city ordinances. Meanwhile, Fred was brought home and made comfortable before the doctor arrived. After being assessed, the doctor told Fred that he expected him to make a full recovery. Well, that wasn't meant to be. Fred's condition quickly declined and he died on October 30th. This did not make the locals very happy and they wanted revenge for their beloved marshal. A lynch mob formed and Curly Bill had to be moved to Tucson, Arizona to be placed in protective custody. Curly Bill insisted that the shooting was an accident and soon he was acquitted due to the judge said that Fred's death was a homicide by misadventure. Now, believe it or not, it was Wyatt's statement concerning the incident that helped free Curly Bill, but Curly Bill could not forgive Wyatt for that pistol whipping, even though his testimony saved his life. This incident increased the tensions that resulted in the shootout at the OK Corral, and for Fred to haunt the street where he was shot. But Fred's ghost is not the only spirit that's seen at this location. Many have seen the spirit of another man wearing a long black coat crossing the road near that spot, but he disappears before he finishes crossing. It was also at that location that Virgil Earp was ambushed and shot, resulting in him suffering a permanent disability, which is why many people believe that this is the ghost of Virgil himself. There is another spirit who is also seen walking down those same streets. This is the spirit of a woman who is wearing a long white dress, and according to local legend, this woman had a young child who contracted yellow fever. She tried her best to nurse her child back to health, but the child passed away. Devastated, the mother took her own life, and she walks the streets hoping to find her child still alive. But that is not the only story about this female spirit. In other tales, she was actually a madam of a brothel who was hanged due to her choice of business. It is said that she stalks the streets of Tombstone, looking for her executioners to enact her revenge. But this woman, she's not alone. Not only were there numerous deaths from lawlessness activities and gunfights, but there were also many, many deaths due to catastrophe. In June of 1881 and May of 1882, terrible fires wiped out most of the business district. More than 40 individuals lost their lives when they became trapped in saloons and brothels that burned to the ground. These long-dead people also make their presence known, appearing to individuals and showing their horribly burned faces. Other people report smelling smoke when there is no fire, or there's no explainable reason for that smell to appear. Now, if you guys haven't guessed it by now, the OK Corral itself is also said to be haunted. Now, this makes logical sense, since it was a scene of an emotion-filled shootout and people did not survive. Over the years, multiple people reported seeing the transparent apparitions of men dressed in cowboy attire. Often, the reports say that the cowboy spirits still have their guns drawn like they're still in battle. Are the spirits of Frank and Tom McClory and Billy Clanton locked in an ageless battle with the Earp brothers and their friends? Well, many people believe so, and this is why people claim to feel cold spots in various parts of the area where this battle happened. 
Now, in previous episodes, I have said that many people think that graveyards and cemeteries are likely very haunted locations, but in my opinion, they're not always a paranormal hotspot due to it is said that ghosts haunt the places they actually died in or that they had a positive or negative emotional attachment to them. But there are exceptions, and one of these is the graveyard near Tombstone. Boot Hill Graveyard is one of Tombstone's most popular tourist attractions. It is called Boot Hill since many who lie there died with their boots on, and this itself is part of the town's lawless past. Used mostly between the years of 1878 to 1884, this graveyard contains the remains of many famous people from Tombstone's history. These include the men who were killed at the OK Corral shootout, Marshal Fred White who was killed by Curly Bill, a man named George Johnson who was sent to hang in error, five men who were hanged for the vicious killings that happened at an event called the Bisbee Massacre, and dozens more gunfighters killed in action. It also contains the bodies of prospectors, outlaws, lawmen, and ladies of the night. Some who were buried here did not even go by their full or real names, but by a nickname. Therefore, we may never know who these individuals' true identities actually are. Perhaps it's due to all this that the Boot Hill Graveyard is said to be full of paranormal activity. Visitors report seeing strange lights and hearing unidentifiable noises coming from that graveyard. Ghosts of both men and women have been seen on countless occasions and have allegedly been caught on film. Maybe one of those ghosts is of Billy Clanton from the OK Corral incident. Local legends tell us that Billy rises from his own grave and walks along the road to go back to Tombstone. Is it possible that Billy's ghost is in a perpetual loop of going back to Tombstone to the OK Corral to die over and over again? Another spooky location in Tombstone is one of its original buildings, the Birdcage Theatre. Now this building has the reputation of being the most haunted place in Tombstone, with an alleged 31 ghosts haunting that building. The Birdcage Theatre opened in 1881, and it very quickly gained a dark reputation after the New York Times called it the wildest, wickedest nice spot between Basin Street and the Barbary Coast. Now, my dear listeners, I'm going to be pretty honest here. That reputation would not drive me away. In fact, it would definitely be placed on my to-do list. Now, between the years of 1881 and 1889, the Birdcage Theatre was open 24 hours a day for gambling, drinking, and, well, anything else a person thinks they need. The saloon itself was a scene of 26 deaths, and the proof of this is the 140 bullet marks in the saloon walls that you could still see today. Today, this building is a museum, and both staff and visitors alike have reported seeing apparitions wearing clothing from the 1880s. They report hearing sounds of laughter and music from inside the building at night when no one is inside. Others claim to hear the sound of a woman singing, along with strange, unidentifiable sounds. Many say that they smell cigar smoke and whiskey, and they hear the sounds of cards shuffling and glasses clinking. One of the spirits that is seen the most is of a male stagehand. He is wearing a black striped pair of pants, a visor, and he holds a clipboard as he walks across the stage and disappears. But one of the strangest events that was said to have occurred at the Birdcage Theatre had to do with Wyatt Earp. A statue of Wyatt was made for this museum, and they placed it in a crib overlooking the theatre. After it was put in place, 
staff arrived at work to see the hat of the statue was knocked off. For about six months, this hat was either knocked off or was thrown to the floor below. It was a short time later after staff spoke to a local historian that they came to understand why this was happening. The historian told the employees that they placed White's statue in a crib that usually was reserved for the Clantons. After the staff moved the statue to the crib that was usually frequented by Wyatt, the hat throwing stopped. Now, the town of Tombstone doesn't just have haunted graveyards, corrals, saloons, and theaters. They also have haunted restaurants. Nellie Cashman's restaurant is located in the former restaurant and boating house that was owned by Nellie herself. Nellie was this place's original owner, and she is known as one of the Wild West's original female entrepreneurs, a prospector, and someone who is very charitable. After Nellie traveled through the mining towns in Canada and the United States, she made her way to Tombstone where she opened her business, which at the time was called the Russ House. The most common spirit seen here is one of a female, and therefore, many think that it's likely Nellie herself. But that is not what the individuals who investigated this location think. They do not believe that the objects being moved around, the lights being turned on and off, or the sudden temperature changes are caused by Nellie at all. This is because Nellie did not die in Tombstone. She left the town after several years, and she moved back to Canada, where she passed away. After Nellie sold the building and moved on, it was being used as a boarding house. It was during this time that allegedly a woman who lived here was murdered by a man who was also staying at the boarding house. Investigators believe that it is she who moves throughout this building and makes her appearance known. Another historical residence in the town is called the Bulford House, which is now a bed and breakfast. It is here that one of the original residents will not leave. In the late 1880s, a man named George Bulford lived with his father at this home. While he lived there, George fell deeply in love with a girl named Cleopatra. After George returned from a prospecting trip, George joined some of his friends and Cleopatra in an outing. When the evening started to wind down, George was heartbroken when Cleopatra decided another man of the group could walk her home that night. George became angry and then despondent. He then stopped leaving the house, so Cleopatra went over to see if he was okay. After she entered the home, George shot her twice and then he turned the gun onto himself. Despite her serious wounds, Cleopatra survived. George, he did not. And to this day, George is seen walking inside his former home or walking down the street outside. People report hearing knocking sounds, seeing faucets turn on and off by themselves, and strange lights that come from no known source. Women specifically report feeling somebody touching their hair or stroking the back of their necks. It seems like in death, George is still obsessed with women. Speaking of women, one of the most popular saloons in Tombstone is named after a woman who was known as Big Nose Kate. The woman who got this really unfortunate nickname was Kate Elder, who was a prostitute and longtime companion and possibly wife of Doc Holliday. The saloon started its existence in part of the Grand Hotel in September of 1880, and in its first years of business, it served the likes of Wyatt and Virgil Earp, Doc Holliday, and the Cowboy Gangs. One of the most interesting people, though, who lived at this hotel during this time is a man who was nicknamed the Swamper. He was a janitor of the hotel who also did small jobs. 
His accommodations came as part of his pay, but they, well, weren't the nicest accommodations. The Swamper lived in a small dark corner of the basement, but he actually loved it there. Why? It was here that he created his own personal mining shafts that led to the nearby mines. It is said that the Swamper started to moonlight as a miner and would access the nearby silver veins and take nugget after nugget. Many believe that the Swamper hid his silver hoard somewhere beneath Big Nose Kate's saloon, and it's still there to this day. In May of 1882, the Grand Hotel caught fire, and what survived was the saloon and the tunnel to those mine shafts. Today, this historic saloon is very popular for those who are living and the dead. One of the ghosts of the past who still remain is that of the Swamper. He is often seen roaming through the hallways, stairways, and in the basement. Many people believe the reason he did not leave is he's still protecting his silver hoard that is somewhere below. But the Swamper, he's not alone. Many have seen the spirits of long-dead cowboys at the bar and standing in doorways. Others allege that they hear ghostly voices singing or talking in empty rooms. Lights they turn on and off by themselves, things are moved or knocked to the floor, and silverware is said to fly off tables on its own. Areas of this saloon experience cold spots and people feel gusts of cold air throughout the building. Those who take photos in the building report that images show hazy forms or that their camera will malfunction. But if you're a lady visiting this place, you need to be careful. Strange events often occur on the staircases leading down to the basement, and this includes women feeling like somebody's trying to push them down the stairs. In one case, a female employee reported that when she went down those stairs, she felt invisible cold hands start to encircle her throat. But all of these are just a sample of the ghost stories from the town of Tombstone. In fact, almost every single location in this town has its own ghost story. Maybe it's true what they said about Tombstone when they gave it the nickname of the town that's too tough to die. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Thank you all for joining me for our latest episode of Horrifying History. Join us on Facebook at Horrifying History, on Instagram at Horrifying underscore History, on Twitter at Horrifying H-I-S-T-1, or reach out to us by email at HorrifyingHistory at Outlook.com and tell us, would you go visit the town of Tombstone? With all of this spectoral activity and interesting history, I definitely want to go. Now, if you haven't done it yet, please remember to hit the subscribe button for our podcast. For when you do, not only are you letting more people know about our show, but you download our next episode on its day of release. It's a great way not to miss our next episode, The Men in Black. If you would love to take home a piece of horrifying history, you really should check out our store. You'll find some great items by going to redbubble.com and by searching for horrifying history in their search box. 
And if you want to get a bunch of amazing perks like ad-free episodes, free merchandise, additional content, and much, much more, we are now on Patreon. Go to patreon.com slash horrifyinghistory to sign up today. Thank you all for listening, and until next time... Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.